The folklore in Kid Cryptid wouldn't exist if it weren't for the rich history and vibrant cultures these stories come from. While we do our best to provide accurate information, we recognize that we are, at best, amateurs here. This podcast is best considered for entertainment purposes only, and it comes from a place of love and respect for the peoples behind the lore. Now, on with the show. Hello, my name is Sean. And my name's Elias. And this is the very first episode of Kid Cryptid, a podcast where we talk about those wonderful creatures lurking at the edge of our imaginations called cryptids. What's a cryptid, Elias? A cryptid is an animal or a person that doesn't exist like something that hunts your nightmares. I wouldn't say that it doesn't exist. We just don't know whether they do or not. That is true. Okay. So, since it's our first episode, what do you think we're going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about um, werewolves and how to destroy them. What makes you think we're talking about werewolves? I think that we're talking about werewolves because they're the most dreaded thing that kids would talk about because they they are big and beastie and almost impossible to destroy. You got into my notes before we started, didn't you? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay, because we're totally talking about werewolves today. I kind of felt like werewolves were a good place to start, you know? Uh, Yeah. Humans have been telling stories about werewolves for about as long as we've been able to talk, probably. Um, We've definitely been telling stories about them since we've been able to write. Yeah. Uh, When do you think the the oldest werewolf story is from? Um, I think... What year? I think about 2009. (laughs) Okay, this is true. You were not born in 2009, so that would seem old. But no, um, the uh, the oldest known werewolf story comes from year one. Okay, so number one. No. Year one, yes. Yes, year one. Year one. I seriously do not know anything about year one, so I don't have any comments. So, yeah, that's old. Um, so it comes from ancient Greece. It tells the story of an ancient Greek king named uh, Lycaon, who uh, was being visited by Zeus, and uh, he decided to see just how all-knowing the god really was. So instead of, you know, making a traditional meal to feed such an honored guest, Lycaon decided to get a little crafty, if you will, and served Zeus, his own son, Oh so my. The king killed his own son and served Zeus the meat. That that is creepy because nobody would feed anybody human flesh. Well, so how do you think Zeus reacted to that? Zeus would have reacted like, "Hey, what is this stuff? It tastes like people." Yeah, Zeus wasn't happy. He pretty much recognized exactly what happened and uh he punished like Aeon. To uh, spend the rest of his life as a wolf. Uh, so that's how werewolves started? That is the first werewolf story. Mm. He was cursed to live the rest of his life as a wolf for his bloodthirsty ways. But all kids think that werewolves are people that start off at day and, and when it's a full moon outside, a person would howl and turn into a werewolf. Um, that's... That's one interpretation. What is a, so what does a werewolf look like when you think um, of a werewolf? 
I think of a werewolf, big, bad, almost like Bigfoot, except smaller than that. When I look at it, it's like buff and gray and has like blue pants on. That's what I think of a werewolf and has like a wolf's head and very sharp teeth like um, a shark. Does he crawl around on all fours? Uh, no. I would think that sometimes if he saw somebody, he would jump and then run like a person. You're not totally wrong. Um, so throughout the stories, werewolves sometimes are humanoid, so they stand up on two legs. Yes. Sometimes they just look like really big wolves and they run around on all fours. So there's a lot of room and variation in the stories. Yes. So... To kind of continue on with that, the story of King Lycaon was uh, only the beginning of werewolves that have appeared throughout all of human history, and they've shown up pretty much in every culture on the globe. It's almost like there's something that we're born with, like it's an idea buried inside of us that we just grow up with no matter what. Yeah. So let's see what you know. How does somebody become a werewolf? Um, necessarily, they get bitten by a wolf. The saliva turns them, like, the saliva makes them feel like a werewolf and when it's a full moon they howl and they turn into a werewolf and go savage on any person they see so they don't they don't choose to become a werewolf whenever they want no they do not they do not choose they usually get bipped in by a werewolf okay so that's that's a pretty modern interpretation there are a lot of other ways too uh so you can get you can become a werewolf by being cursed Yes. As we saw with our, our king there. Yes. Um, eating certain herbs. Sleeping yeah. under the full moon on a Friday. What? Uh-huh. Really? you got to be kidding me. Drinking water touched by a wolf. What? Or being born on December 24th. I just want to say something. Um, I feel like the king deserves it because he killed his own son. He should not be grateful for that. That's... He deserves it. That's fair. Yeah. Other ways are uh, making a pact with the devil and getting a special coat or belt or Ooh. a fur skin that you wear that turns you into a wolf. In which case, that's when you choose because you put it on and you become the wolf. <laughs> yeah. So I've got another story for you. Okay. Um, this one also comes from history. This is the story of Peter Stuba. Ooh. <laughs> Um, also known as Peter Stump. Peter Stump. I like that name. So in 1582, uh, it was a very dangerous time in Europe. Hmm. Uh, Catholics and Protestants fought bloody conflicts over how people got to worship and who they got to worship. E. The Black Plague raged its way through European countries, wiping out whole villages as it went. Hmm. The mood was pretty ripe with fear. It didn't help matters in uh, Bedburg, Germany, that local cattle regularly turned up mutilated and ripped apart. Oh. For years, farmers suspected wolves were behind the killings, but no matter how many they hunted and killed, it did not stop the slaughter. Oh, no. Eventually, children and young women began to disappear. Uh-oh. Sometimes their bodies would be found, mutilated and ripped apart just like the cows. There was little reason to believe that those that weren't found were still alive. That's not a good sign. So convinced that the devil had unleashed a werewolf upon them, the people of Bedburg did anything and everything they could to hunt the beast and free themselves from the carnage. 
Eventually, they arrested a wealthy widower named Peter Stuba. That's not good. And accused him of being an agent of the devil. He was tortured by various horrible means and eventually confessed, claiming that he had in fact signed a pact with the devil. Okay. The devil had given him a magical wolf skin he would wear at night as he prowled the countryside, slaughtering animals and people alike. Wait, so... So that means when he put it on the skin, he would turn into a werewolf, and when he took it off, he'd just become a human Mm -hmm. and know what happened. Well, yeah, but he was saying that the devil made him do it. Yeah, but usually people don't know what happened when they become a human again. They're like, what happened? And why does it smell like I ate something like human? Because they ate something like human. Yes. So they executed him and placed his head on a spike outside of town to warn others who may be tempted to join the devil. Now, in terms of history, it should also be noted that Peter was a Protestant, and the Protestants had been driven out of the area. The new lord of Bedburg Castle was Catholic. As a wealthy widowed landowner of the wrong faith, it's entirely possible that the whole thing was made up to have Peter removed. A good point. Either way, the incidents in Bedburg stopped shortly after. So that means that they didn't have werewolves anymore, and they were like, yay, freedom for no werewolves. Well, what do you think? I would think that they partied a lot, because... Well, do you think Peter was a werewolf? I would not think that, because I kind of think that devils do not exist. But all of the other stuff stopped after they killed him. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, they didn't see the coat, though. So, how does that mean? This is true. You are correct. They never did find this coat that he was talking about. Yeah. So, moving on some more. Okay. Uh, What do you know about how to kill a werewolf? Uh, Well, I know what about how to kill a werewolf. I would usually get a tightrope, like, pull, like, get... A tightrope that's unbreakable, like a chain, and um, get a car, tie that to a chain, and if you have, like, um, something that can burn a chain down, wait, like, cover yourself in mud, because, basically, that's almost like the predator, but still, cover yourself in mud, because only, only werewolves can smell heat in your body and do not have really good eyesight. But if you see a werewolf and it, when it's under the car, or just like use your thing that can destroy it and dr- make it drop on the werewolf so that way it just f- f- falls to the ground and gets squished-ticated. That was, uh, that was really complicated. Yeah, that was really. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Uh, so to start with, remember that, uh, belt or coat that we were talking about? Yeah, I don't know if that actually exists, because... If you can rip it off of him, it'll kill him. Oh, good point. Uh, let's see here, you can strike it in the heart with silver, so remember? Silver bullet. I don't know what you're going on with about cars and chains and stuff over there, but really, silver bullet, you're done. Yeah, but you can... If you just get something like a boulder... You can just smash it on their head, and they'll be—they'll be very hurt. Oh wait, I accidentally forgot about to add a comment. Like when it gets up and it's knocked out, just shoot it with a gun. 
with a silver bullet like that. I forgot to add that comment, so don't judge me. Well, another thing I saw said that you can strike it in the head three times with a knife. That sounds easy. Easy until you have to do it. Oh, yeah, good point. Or touch it with an iron object. Like you just... Like you just... Yeah, it wasn't very descriptive, but yeah, that... that like, like you can touch it with an arrow tip and it'll be like... Pretty much. It doesn't <laughs> like iron, apparently. Oh, my... That is so weird, but cool, too. <laughs> so, let's see here. Um, I have another story. Ooh. Um, this one's a little bit different. Ooh. This one is uh, about a man named Theus, or Theus. at least I hope that's how you say his name. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's Theus. It could be Theus. It's spelled like it could be, but I say Theus. Yeah. Um, anyway, he. Uh, this was an interesting one because... Uh, yeah. It kind of turns the whole werewolf story upside down. Yeah. In 1692, he was a really old man living in part of the Swedish Empire. Uh, he was already in his 80s at the time when he was arrested. What? Yep, and they brought him before a judge because people said he was a werewolf. Wait, uh, just because they think he's a werewolf doesn't mean that he is a werewolf. You're not wrong, but this... Uh, this was the 1600s, and people were very into witchcraft and accusing people of consorting with the devil, and it didn't take a whole lot to get brought to trial for that. Hmm. Um, and so that pretty much happened to him, even though he was already 80-something years old. Why did they not take him to court? We do not know. No, they took him to court. Oh, they did? He, he was put on trial. However, instead of denying being a werewolf, he admitted everything. But he claimed that he and other werewolves were chosen by God to be hounds of God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So God chose him to be a werewolf? To be a werewolf and to go into hell and fight evil. But I thought, I thought God was a nice person. He said go into the, the devil world and destroy all evil. Yeah, he, he was... He, was be granted the powers of becoming a werewolf to fight evil. Yeah, but what if he couldn't get to that devil ward world and he thought all the people on that land was a devil? That's bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not... No. So, that was Theus's story. Oh. He, uh, he said that he was fighting witches and demons as a werewolf. Well, that was true. And that he was not going to... Uh... So, what do you think they did with him? I think they put him in chains and stabbed him in the heart with uh, something metal. No, they uh, they actually, for once, did not execute him. Um, Why? Because he was 80-something years old, and they okay. thought he was just uh, turning people away from, from Christianity. Okay. So they flogged him and banished him for life. Wait, what? What does that even mean? Uh, so they flogged him, so they used a whip, and they hit him across the back ten times with it really hard. And then they kicked him out of town and told him he wasn't allowed to come back. He probably didn't live long after that because he was already in his 80s. Yeah. And he had nowhere else to go. There was probably no food from him. But they didn't execute him right then and there. Yeah. I thought, like, when you have a whip, you just make a noise and they'll hear that noise and they'll be like, ah! And I don't really have a whole lot of information on him before the whole trial, and there's not really anything afterwards. I just thought it was interesting because uh, it just really put a twist yeah. on all of those really well-established legends. 
So I've got one little last batch of stories for you. Yay! Um, these ones are a bit more modern. <laughs> so it kind of starts back in 1936. Okay. Uh, with a man named Mark Shackleman. Ooh, I like that name. He was driving home from his job as a security guard at a convent. Wait, so you're telling me that he was a security guard and something happened to him to become a werewolf? Just, we'll see where the story goes. Yeah, let's see. Tired after a long, late shift, mm. he followed the familiar road back home to his nice, cozy bed. Yay. Along the way, while passing a Native American burial mound, he saw something that he couldn't quite make sense of. Hunched over and digging into the side of the mound was something that looked like a man, but that was far too big. As he got closer, he noticed a horrible smell like rotting meat. Unnerved by what he saw, and the stench, he fled home without getting a great look at the creature. A few days passed, and he hadn't been able to stop thinking about that strange encounter at the burial mound. Working up his courage, he decided he would return to the area on his way home and see if he could find any signs of whatever it was. I don't think he's going to survive. Once again, he was greeted by a strange sight and was terrified by what he found. Ooh, no. According to Shackleman, there was a beast standing about seven feet tall, weighing probably about 500 pounds. Its face was like a wolf, but its hands were like a human. He said the creature made some grunting noises at him, and they stared at each other for several minutes before it turned and went off into the woods. Like a staring contest, and then he just went like, this is boring, and I'm just going to leave you because I don't want you to find out what I'm eating. Well, and that was kind of the end of it. There were no more reports about the beast again until 1964. 1964, that... Mm -hmm. And another time in 1972. Whoa. uh, Neither of these received much attention. It wasn't until uh, Halloween in 1989 that the beast really made a lasting stamp on the Wisconsin folklore of the area. I knew it. Dorstein Gibson was driving along Bray Road that night. Yay! Knowing she wasn't likely to come across any trick-or-treaters in such a remote area, she took her eyes off the road for a moment to adjust the radio. The car jumped, and she knew right away that she had hit something. She stopped and got out to inspect the damage, but noticed nothing in the road where she had just passed. Looking around the side of the road, she spotted something large and unidentifiable running towards her. Panic, she jumped back in the car and tried to drive off. But before she could get going, the beast jumped onto the trunk of her car, attempting to get at her. Fortunately for her, it couldn't hang on as she gained speed and it fell off onto the road. When she arrived home, she told a neighbor what had happened and showed them the damage done to the back of the car. From there, word quickly spread and more stories began to pop up about strange encounters with the terrifying beast. Well, I think she's lucky because she did not die. No. Now, sometimes this beast was on two legs, (laughs) other times four. All accounts agree, though, that it was quite large, covered in fur, and that it resembled a wolf. Now, people still see this beast on Bray Road in Wisconsin today. Yeah. But wait, what if it was a beast that actually, like, what if it was, like, what if it was adult and it saw this costume and it was actually haunted and he was like, oh, let me try this costume on. And he put it on and he just became savage. Uh, That seems unlikely to me. Yes. 
That might be the coat. That might be the coat. Oh, you're going to have to sleep on that one. Ooh. Werewolves have been with us since the beginning, and they've grown and evolved right along with us. They've been used as religious demons to frighten and as boogeymen to explain away horrible and unexplainable events. They've managed to become pop culture icons and heroes with their own adoring fan bases. Yeah. Wherever we go, the wolf will be there, watching and waiting. All right, so that brings us to the end of our first episode. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Elias. And hope to see you next time on Kid Cryptid. Yep. (laughs) 